Hi, everybody. Um, I feel like we should have the silent cinema presentation go next. But uh, first, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, uh, shifting gears a little bit away from technology. I'm going to talk a little bit about video in the classroom and, um, by extension, private study. Um, it's been nice to watch the presentations um, over the last two days. Um, there's been a lot of historical context. So I just wanted to mention that um, in many of the disciplines that our group works with here at Columbia, video is a very common medium for teaching and learning. And so what we're doing is really nothing new in many respects. Um, in, for example, our work with Teachers College, um, developmental psychology and, um, and teacher preparation are both areas where the benefits of video are, are nothing uh, too surprising or new, um, such as uh, stepping outside the moment that you're, that you're in when you're, you're delivering a lesson or, or talking to one of your students, um, having the opportunity to look at something repeatedly after it's happened, um, or sharing some a, a viewing experience with somebody else, whether that's somebody who is your teacher or mentor or um, some of your peer group. Um, this goes uh, to what Murray was saying yesterday about uh, video being used as an instrument, something that could be used for illustration, uh, capable of frequent re repetition, and making the inaccessible accessible, um, and something that really, from a cognitive perspective, helps against our um, inherent deficits of attention and judgment and memory. So just to give a little bit more historical perspective than that, um, Arnold Gassell, one of the founders really of, of child development, um, says that uh, you know, he, he pioneered the use of video even in the 20s and 30s. And he says that cinema registers the behavior events in such coherent, authentic, and measurable detail. However, that doesn't mean that we necessarily get something out of it. What we need is to take advantage of that um, teachable moment, as uh, is the jargon in uh, the K through 12 arena. So really what you need is um, to really look for, for detail. To, what do you see in a video? How do you interpret it? And then now that you've seen it and interpreted it, what do you do about it? Um, and these are questions that we ask when we look um, in, a, in, a lot, in the psychology and, and teacher preparation um, courses. So um, without further ado, I wanted to show Vital. This is Video Interactions for Teaching and Learning. It's a web environment that we first built in 2002. Um, before uh, web was uh, video was quite as ubiquitous on the web as it is now. Um, but from the very beginning, it, 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 for us, it was something that, that got to a very granular level of analysis. We were working with a faculty client at Teachers College, Professor Herb Ginsberg, um, who's a developmental psychologist. And he had been teaching. That was him in the photo, by the way, uh, a couple of slides ago. Um, he's been using video for, for decades now to teach his students to look closely, to see what kids are really doing, and then make their, their assessments based on, the, on the, real, um, the real information coming at them. So working with him, we digitized um, uh, a lot of his uh, archival footage, and then we put it in an environment where we encourage students to look closely. Um, here is uh, the syllabus of his uh, course, The Development of Mathematical Thinking. Um, something that uh, it's a course he's offered for a very long time. It's offered every year at Teachers College. Um, and you go into a week of video and you see what you would see in a regular syllabus except that it's full of um, videotape from classrooms, from interactions um, between adults and children. And you're given a topic, you're given a problem. What do these kids know about adding and subtracting numbers? So there's nothing more exciting than kids and mental arithmetic. So I'm going to go to a video, wait a while for it to load. Okay. 
I should say that, that a lot of the work done on this environment is the result of a grant that we received from NSF, partly to develop this web environment um, for use outside of Columbia, but also to shoot a lot of this new video that you're going to see in a second. How he got that answer? He just knew it. He just knew it. How did he know? Uh, well, so so basically, if you are a teacher watching this kid, you're going to be looking for more than that. This this is a this is a particularly precocious child. Um, he's six years old. He's in kindergarten. Um, but the the idea here is is to learn how to elicit information from kids who are not necessarily used to verbalizing um, the way they think about math, for example, or anything. Um, so. Uh, in a situation like this, you might be watching the child for detail about how he uses language and his fingers and does he count, you know, what is his mouth moving and so forth. And you might also be looking at the adult researcher who's using questions in a, in, a, in a very specific way in order to get information without leading the child or putting words in, in his or her mouth and so forth. Now in this interface here, you'll see that this video popped up in a in a video viewer with tools. So by using the start and end buttons here. Five and three. Five and three. Just play a Okay, just for sake of illustration, asking the question. I'll give my clip a title, notes about it, and then save. And so similar to some of the other software we've looked at today, you're able to mark in and out points for your video, describe it in your own words in some way, which is a, already a, some sort of semantic retelling of, of information that happened in the video. It's stored up on the right-hand side of that screen and so on. So you can continue to do this over and over again for as long as you like in, in a particular video or close and move on to another one. So um, once that's done, then you move on to the, the assignment phase where the instructor has posed a question to you what do these kids know about adding and subtracting numbers? Compare and contrast what you see in the, in the assigned videos. So over on the, the right side of the screen here, I have an essay space. Uh, I've begun to type an answer. Young children, um, for young children, addition is an extension of counting objects. So they build their strategies for addition and subtraction based on counting. Now, I have on the left side here made some clips that I've seen in those videos. I use. Um, I use these little film icons here to then embed the media directly into my essay. So now I'm based, this is my work as a student. I'm, I'm building an essay, I'm responding to a question that's been posed to me, and then I'm using the evidence that I've found in visual media. And I'm not re-describing it necessarily in text. I have, I've moved on from that and I can now then move directly to analysis and justify what I think, my own theory. Um, now, 
when the, the fact you finish this, you submit, it goes on, um, it becomes public for you, the uh, faculty member, for other students yeah, right. in the course. And, I need two more beer. and then they can see side by I'm side with what you've deal. written. And what about the other ones? Five, you sure? And so on. So just here, uh, back to the slide, this is a sequence of steps that we think are important. Observe, meaning you're seeing a, a particular instance of something happening. You're, you're thinking about um, how, it, how it relates to something you may have read for the course, what you, you might have read something about counting and how that leads to addition and subtraction. Uh, <clears throat> and you're resolving those two different sources of information in your mind. You're interpreting. Then in the, quote, in the, in the note space, you're, you're contributing your own um, ideas about what you saw and then adding it to an, an argument that you've constructed. You're, that's the think stage, sorry. Um, you might alter an alternative hypothesis. You know, you don't necessarily know all the answers, but based on what you've seen, you can make an educated guess and offer something reasonable as well as alternatives if you knew more. Um, and transfer. So this is, a, this is an environment that's meant to slow down time so that you can watch the video and then when you go to a real classroom again, you might see more when you, when you uh, are interacting with a, a kid or you might ask your questions a little bit differently because you know that um, by saying things a, a certain way, the kid's just going to take your answer for granted and not give you the information you want. And then revise. So you, you've, re you've re revised your practice, you've gotten feedback on what you've written from your, your peers or, or maybe the faculty member and repeat. <clears throat> okay, so I think that's all I'm going to say about this. And now I'm going to show you another instance, uh, John Frankfurt, my colleague of uh, the Silent Cinema course. Okay, uh, so I, at the center, it became uh, clear to us as we continued to work on Vital that this idea of uh, visual quotations, video quotations embedded in essays uh, following the same rules as one might use a quote from a journal or a book had uh, a lot of possibilities in terms of scaling this into other disciplines. And we've done work on that. Uh, I've done it in my own teaching, but I've also done it in my, in my job at the center working with faculty to integrate these tools purposefully for curricular goals. So for instance, about two years ago, we worked with Mark Franco, visiting prof professor in his History of Modern Dance course, and there are a lot of interesting opportunities there. Also, we did uh, an experimental uh, test case with John Sved in a jazz course as well. And those are just some examples in the arts, uh, the humanities. There are other uh, examples as well in different disciplines, which Michael might talk about a little bit more. This is, this is the implementation of VITAL in my silent cinema course that I taught this past fall semester. And it offered really great opportunities in terms of giving students a large number of clips across a range of national cinemas, different types of directors, and really asking them to look very closely at these clips and choose particular moments, reflect on them, and then embed them into their uh, essay that I assigned to them. So here in this assignment, I assigned them uh, various national cinemas in the 1920s from France, Germany and the then Soviet Union. And I'll, and I'll give you a demonstration of how this looks now uh, different from the Herb Ginsburg course where instead of having children counting, you have film clips. So I open up here the clip, and this is from Avogance's La Rue. And as you're watching it, you can find that particular moment which is important to you. And I'll wait here, and I set my start point. 
And then here, this close-up, I think, is interesting. Uh, French Impressionist use of cinematography filter. And so I've made my selection. And then it becomes even more interesting because I've made that choice, but then I also uh, continue in terms of giving it some sort of title. In this case, this will be my demo title, but uh, demo. But then there's also notes. So there's some creation of metadata going on here. This clip is important. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, as well as the capacity to tag this clip and organize it. And that becomes important because you can imagine in the construction of these essays, students are grabbing many, many clips and, and they're creating a repository for their essays. So the tagging capacity, whether you want to tag it by the national cinema, by the director, by the movement, by the film style, all of that becomes uh, very interesting. So I've made my uh, clip selection. I've given it a title. I've added some notation. And then I can save it. Then once I go into, just like Michael showed you before, into the assignment itself, I would find that clip ready. I could open it. I could review it again, and I could adjust it and change it if I wanted to. And here, I, I, I'm not writing the essay myself. My students had to do this assignment. Uh, notice uh, in this paper that I'd be writing, continue to write. And then at the moment, I want to add that clip. I go to the icon here, add to essay, it's added in there. And then, as Michael showed you, in reading the essay, you can click on that and see how the clip illustrates the point. And the, the final papers, which I can't show because I'm in Michael's login, look like final papers. And these are written text, but they, they're illustrated with the various clips. And what becomes very interesting is not for me as an instructor is watching the clips, but also reading what leads up to those clips, what the students say, and then what, uh, what follows it as well. So that's just uh, another example of another curricular implementation using this tool, taking clips, using them as quotations, and embedding them in the essay. So Michael's now going to continue. Okay, so um, John mentioned that this is a, um, his, there's a School of the Arts instance of this. We also are using this extensively at the School of Social Work here, which uh, trains more than 200 um, future therapists of New York City um, every semester using our tool as well. Um, a very interesting, you know, we, we developed this really before Web 2.0, before people really thought that they could quickly uh, generate their own video and add it to environments like this. And so we're really trying to catch up in that regard. Um, so and in some ways, it felt like we were anticipating this moment. Um, but what I would like to show next is a course uh, that was offered uh, this past year at Barnard College, where they have an undergraduate program in education. And the student teachers in that program, uh, in this particular course, were given a very thorough rubric, um, which I've uh, listed here on the left side of the page, for examining one of their own lessons. So 40 minutes in the classroom with a bunch of kids in front of you, um, looking back at yourself. And then here's um, one student's essay. She took this video herself. They would either pair up and use video cameras that they borrowed from their program or the library, or many of them just have handheld devices of various kinds that they do this with, as you would imagine. Um, the quality can vary. Um, that's a problem that we'll have to work with in terms of light and sound and stuff. But ultimately, the content is very good because it's very real and very current. Um, this student wrote um, her essay about a history of uh, government and social justice curriculum. So she's looking now for elements. I don't know, I'm not sure whether how well you can see, but she's looking for her physical presentation, her movements, how she felt, how well she used questions to get information from her students, and so forth. I understand that. No, I mean, 
I'm better at writing essays than writing poetry too, right? But this is part of the ways that we can develop our writing to do different things, right? And so we're, we're gonna have to challenge ourselves to sort of be creative in this way, okay? Don't stress out about it, Eric. You'll be fine, I'm sure. She's Sorry. responding to a kid who said, I don't like poetry uh, at the beginning of the lesson. Um, and like John said, that these are, these, are, these are very much like final essays that you would see in any course. They're extensive. Um, this one is highly reflective, um, and she's able to cite from the full uh, length of her lesson and later get feedback, um, which I cannot see, um, unfortunately. But, but her faculty member then contributes in a space below this um, some feedback. Um, so I think in the future, we're, we're actually thinking about how we're going to develop this in the future. Um, better use of user contributions, better search, better metadata, um, more affinity groups that are not course-by-course course silos, but um, the ability to share video from different uh, places, to grab video that already lives on the web in other places and so forth. Um, and also doing this more as a direct service, possibly in schools and districts, rather than at, just at the university level, as our, um, our current grant specifies. I just like to add before you clap for these guys that uh, the gold ring in teacher training has always been the able to use video that you then are able to process and critique with students in a group. So if they begin to develop just the way you try to develop in a writer a self-critical capacity. And this is a huge step in, in the direction of being able to do that in a really broad-based way. And we have partnerships with Hunter College, where they're experimenting with this, and we're going to extend our experiment into other parts of the university. And, uh, and even in the context of teacher preparation, teacher preparation was always done either in the field where people had many experiences before they went out to do teacher training, or in the abstract environment of the classroom. Well, what this does is it allows for a level of assimilitude even in the classes that precede student teaching by repurposing a lot of the video that students have captured of themselves and uh, in a sense provided critiques and, and a legacy to the next generation of teachers who would be part of that same program. So that's in a sense the, uh, an, an additional part of its undergirding uh, philosophy and direction. <laughs>